It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That crazy starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a freaking listen to yourself in the world, but it's only something to your own head. Beat it up and I've seen got no peace. The ladder puts the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in the fire, the system of the gangs, the government for hire in the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, the jury beat it down your neck. The border trap is some the ground with that low plane flying and up for overflow, punching in the corner, too, but it'll be the secret devil, secret devil, world in your own knees. See your heart, tell me the surrender in the river with the right. You patriotic, patriotic, plan might right, might feel it in British life. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the hour of doom and bloom <laughs> well opposite yeah we have to we have to change them up sometimes yes. you know we have to uh, and bloom <laughs> i want to make it sound happy and flowery and wonderful yeah oh so that's wonderful. what this what this website bleh, this podcast is all about well Giving people the tools to help themselves so they can blossom. That's right. Well, and I am talking about the things that can cause doom. Oh, no. That's right. The (laughs) things that can happen in any person's life that can cause a personal, a community, a national disaster. Hey, friends and neighbors, welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour, a land of liberty in a libelous, licentious, and lackadaisical world. Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of DoomandBloom.net, where you'll find over a thousand post videos and podcasts on medical preparedness for any disaster. And I'm Amy Alton. I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. That's right. I and hear some lawnmowers outside. Hopefully, our, our listeners cannot hear the lawnmowers. <laughs> yes, well. <laughs> You know what? Somebody's got to cut the grass. And the thing is, is that we don't even believe in lawns. That's the amazing no, thing. No, I would next door. love to get rid of <laughs> all the grass and just have a front and backyard full of food-producing yeah. fruits, vegetables, nuts, berries, everything. That's right. And like people, a jungle. Right. And <laughs> I'd you be folks the neighborhood out, jungle. Right, right. <laughs> and you folks out there that are doing that, I am so proud of you good for you awesome that's right well together we are the gang of two we are the dynamic duo the medical matrimony and we're here to help you keep it together even if everything else falls apart friends and neighbors have you been injured in an accident with a xenophobic zebra well our attorney says don't call me call dr bones and her samey and listen to this. All information given and opinions voiced on dr bones and nurse amy's survival medicine hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings, no contract, or provider-patient relationships. I should say nor. I always say or. Ah, that's right, nor. (laughs) 
Provider-patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners. Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available, especially after a hurricane. That's right. Where We're going to talk about that. will it be available, yes. right? <laughs> well, medical care, modern medical care, that life-saving technology we take for granted Indeed, is a wonderful thing. But when the you-know-what hits a fan, somebody's got to be ready to pick up the flag when that modern technology is not around. They've got to keep their people healthy in times of trouble. And you know what? That someone might just end up being you out there. So show the world you got more sense than a sack of potatoes (laughs) and get some training and education. And while you're at it, how about some supplies and a quality medical kit to go along with all that knowledge? What better place to get it than Nurse Amy's entire line of often imitated, never equaled medical kits at store.doomandbloom.net. They'll help you deal with medical issues you'll face in any disaster, make your workplace, school, church safer. Gosh, they're designed by us. Us personally, a real life medical doctor and an advanced registered nurse practitioner. And I dare you to compare our kits for contents, mm-hmm. quality, and cost with anybody else's stuff. And you will agree our kits are the ones that you should have in your medical storage. But you know what? Don't take our word for it. Check out our testimonials page at store.doomandbloom.net and see what folks just like you have to say about our medical kits and our service. On top of all that, our kits, by the way, are approved for your health or flexible savings account. Just let us know you need the paperwork and we'll get it right to you. Absolutely. It has never failed. That's right. They do not deny first aid supplies and kits to be used, to be purchased with the money. Well, there you go. So <laughs> you clear have, that up. <laughs> there is an awesome, awesome way to use some of that money is mm-hmm. to get some of our medical kits. That's right. Hey, you know what? We learn as much from you as you do from us. So cast a pearl of wisdom before us, Gus, and connect with the old geezer and the young, beautiful goddess. It's easy, and here's Nurse Amy to tell you how. Absolutely. You can contact us anytime by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. Find us on Facebook at Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones, and Nurse Amy. Also, a one-stop shopping is Doom and Bloom Facebook. You can also follow us on Twitter at Prepper Show. And don't forget our YouTube channel at DR Bones Nurse Amy. That's right. And you know what? This is yes, National Preparedness Month. Happy it National sure Preparedness is. Month. And I hope that you people also, baby. Yes, and I hope that people out there are doing something to get some medical supplies and Uh, put together their medical kits. I think it's very important to be able to deal with disasters that can happen. They occur all the time. We're going to talk about one today, as a matter of fact. It's happening right at this moment as we speak. And you have to realize that if you don't have this stuff in times of trouble, you may just wind up having a bad outcome from some injury or some illness. You don't want that, so you want to have certainly some medical supplies that is super important absolutely i actually got an order on sunday Uh from a woman who lived in north carolina and i knew that the hurricane was supposed to hit i looked at the city she lived in it was basically set to go straight over her town and so um we went and packed her stuff up sunday night and got it off in the morning Monday morning to FedEx so she could get it before the hurricane hit her. 
awesome. She you, doesn't know I, we and did you this. You do that, and you do that all the time. But she she doesn't even know we did that. Yeah. But we packed it. We were there till almost one a.m. Sunday night, and so. You know, we do things like that, folks. That's right. If you need something special, I've had people decide they need a kit and they weren't sure what to get. And last minute, they're going on a mission and they're getting country, on a plane right, yeah. in a couple of days. You got to let me know. I'll, I'm I'm so happy to help folks. Honest to goodness. We will bend backwards as much as possible. Work late, work midnights. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. We, would, we just want you to have this, especially... You know, if you're about to enter into an emergency or leave a country to go somewhere where you're probably not going to have even access to, quote, the modern medical facilities that we have, you know, on a regular basis around this country. They just don't have things like that. So you're right. And our, we'll, our we'll mission, do what we can to help you. Please know that. That's right. Our mission is to put a medically prepared person in every family. We want to have an army of medics that are held in reserve mm-hmm. for times of trouble. And by having some supplies, you will be more effective in that role. So that's something that's important. You know, uh, <clears throat> National Preparedness Month. Uh, and by the way, we're, uh, if you have not signed up for our newsletter at doomandbloom.net, please do so because you will get all sorts of special offers and uh discount coupon codes and things like that though so please make sure you sign up for uh our website newsletter that's something that i think you will appreciate having you get a bunch of information a lot of content and some special offers uh so september is chosen as national preparedness month yes not just because they picked a number out of a hat or a month out of a hat, but because of the peak of the Atlantic hurricane season, is yes. it's in pretty much right now. Speaking of which, Hurricane Florence is making landfall in the Carolinas as we are recording this show. And you know what? They're expecting a lot of wind, rain, and storm surge. I can see it on TV. That is pretty bad. And every year around this time, the U.S. honestly can expect storms like this to menace the east and Gulf Coast. That's why September is National Preparedness Month. Yet, I am always surprised to see that many citizens find a way to be caught by surprise by storms like this. I know. I mean, isn't it? it it's on the news. It's on the radio pretty much 24 hours a day. In fact, this one hit as a, just about an average of a two to one category right, right. on the Right, not a huge one, yeah. And yet, there's still every second of the news coverage is focused on this. And it's honestly, the winds are not much worse than you can get in, you know, a tropical storm. It's the water and the flooding. Yes, that's lots of going flooding to on be the, coast. the problem. People think, oh, it wasn't so bad. It has yet to show its wrath. I think you're is right. what I have to say about that. A funny thing about this is that. No matter how much devastation a hurricane uh, or other storm like this will cause, mm-hmm. it, may, it just doesn't take very long for people to just forget all about it, to forget that previous hurricanes have caused all sorts of damage, billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of damage, and li- lives lost in the United States. And that's a shame, really, because hurricanes are one of the few disasters that advanced weather forecasting can predict and pinpoint pretty much well ahead of its arrival. The National Weather Service puts out regular advisories for upcoming storms, but despite this, few people are prepared to handle the dangers to life and property that can occur. So as you said, Hurricane Florence ended up being a Category Mm 1 when it hit. It was actually as high up as a Category 4. And 
What does all that mean? Hurricanes are graded into five categories by something called the Saffir-Simpson scale. And this scale uses the maximum sustained winds as a measure of how strong a hurricane is. The National Hurricane Center defines highest sustained wind speed as not the highest speed of wind gusts, but the wind speed that is highest that lasts at least a full minute. You mm-hmm. have to have a full minute of, right? you know, and, and that's, that's what's amazing. That's, right. and that's, that's pretty strong. And that's what what's amazing. If they say 115 mile an hour sustained winds, man, you're going to have to withstand those winds for at least a minute, a full minute sure. before it may even, and honestly, usually more time than that before it abates itself. Hurricane season starts in June, but notice that we don't ever talk or write about them on uh, the podcast or on our website until about late August or early September. And that's because most major storms seem to hit in August, September, and October. And famous storms like Sandy, that hit the U.S. in late October. Uh, uh, The two worst Category 5 hurricanes, uh, Katrina and Andrew. Katrina was in 2005. Andrew was in 1992. They hit in late August. So I think it's reasonable to assume that we still have a storm or two to weather before the season is over. Yes, there's actually Isaac spinning off. Uh, looks like it's south of, hmm, a little bit east-south of Cuba at this moment. Hmm. We have Joyce and Helene, which were following the same path, but they've gone up north, and they're already um, about the same level as North Carolina, but far far away <laughs> well, that's good. there's not a lot so of, they're not there's a lot of ocean up there yes but not a lot of uh, people uh, yes not a lot of land so they're not going to threaten us but when we had first started tracking florence a few days ago isaac had just gotten a name joyce and helene didn't have names yet but you could see there were two other storms brewing behind them it looked like there were four on the way <laughs> to, wow. to hit the same area. I mean, that was really frightening. That would be like, Talk about a, like one... a bowling ball hitting the pins like four times in a exactly. row. Exactly. We're talking about a one, two, three, four punch. Wow. Yes. Well, I mean, the good news out there is that hurricanes can be severe, but they don't have to be life-threatening if you prepare. I mean, unlike tornadoes, which can pop up suddenly, I mean, you, we have hundreds of miles, maybe a, a week before... A hurricane will go from, I guess, the the islands in the the easter easternmost islands they, in the Caribbean all the way to the U.S. mainland. Exactly, they actually come off the coast, the west coast of Africa. Right, and they call them disturbances. Yes. So they start watching disturbances and see how they form as they travel towards uh, either the United States, Central America, or even sometimes South America. Very rarely, though, they seem to get steered up towards us. <laughs> Florida, sometimes the Gulf, and, you know, the Carolinas. All um, sorts. Of... A, we must have giant magnets that attract these. <laughs> that attract just these certain right. weather systems, wind patterns yeah. that are just directing them into these areas here. Right. It's a huge landmass, of course, in North America, so it's, it's hard to miss, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Well, anyhow, if you want to have an effective plan of action, you will be more successful in staying safe during these storms. And you have to take into account factors like shelter, clean water, food, power, other important issues. 
And if you plan before a hurricane threatens your area, you'll avoid that mad rush for supplies that leaves all these supermarket shelves empty. Everybody's seen photos of that. Absolutely. You see long lines in front of grocery stores, empty shelves of even simple things like water. Uh, wood empties the shelves. Gas. Yes. And gas Hammers and nails, run out, they run screws, out. anything to put cover and shelter around their structures. Most of these people don't have hurricane shutters. You know, that seems to be more of a Florida thing. We right. really have hurricane shutters in some form, even if it's just a bunch of plywood in your garage. Because on a regular basis, we have to put them up and take them down. That's true. But there are other areas, and I think probably a lot of the coastal areas in Carolinas are just not as used to having as much activity as they have been recently having. Right. Unfortunately, I think these kind of supplies are are really something you should get when they announce that it's hurricane season. Right. Even you, And even further north, how they're very unprepared. Remember how Sandy did oh, a number on the New Jersey shore. You are absolutely correct. A few years ago, right. In South Florida, we get at our grocery stores, they put out lists that you can pick up and shop around. You don't have to get everything there. Obviously, some of those items are not available at grocery stores. But the brand Publix is very good about making people aware that, hey, it's time to stock up so that there's not that huge rush. Absolutely. I think finally people are maybe starting to get into the routine of when you're having regular hurricanes year year to year, or at least the threatening of it, that you need to keep some stuff in your house. Absolutely Not right. a bad idea. Yes. You can eat it later. It doesn't have to be something you just keep for 10 years. But stock up in June, and then you don't have to worry about this, oh, my gosh, here comes the hurricane. The one couple of things you will have to do, obviously, is maybe get uh, the gas topped off. Yes. In your car. Right. That's something. Good idea to You can't prepare for that in June. Right. (laughs) The hurricane's going to be here in October. Right. So there are some things that you will have to go out and do, but do them early. It's not a bad idea to always keep your gas tank topped off. There are a lot of benefits to that. So if you just do that on a routine, you won't be in such a panic. And I think that's what happens a lot of times is everyone just sort of has a community-wide panic. They're right. okay, they're okay, they're not paying much attention. And now it's time to all and rush to the <laughs> supermarket right, or to the every, gas station. Right, it's like in 10 minutes the entire town is like, ah! And they all <laughs> show up at the stores together and then yeah, just empty it out. So prepare early, I think, is and you, one of the biggest right, thing, right. Uh, takeaways from this conversation. And you get warnings. The National Weather Service keeps a close eye on these hurricanes. They issue uh, warnings. There are two types. Uh, one is a hurricane watch, where hurricane conditions of sustained winds of 74 miles an hour or greater are possible within a specified area. And also, there's the hurricane warning. The hurricane warning is when hurricane conditions are expected somewhere in a specific area. And so that's one thing that is very, very important. Now, in many cases, authorities will issue an order to evacuate areas that are going to be hardest hit. If such an order is broadcast, 
you should leave. If you live in prefab housing like a trailer or near the coast, it's wisest to hit the road before the storm makes landfall. And alternatively, of course, there are many municipalities that designate hurricane-resistant public buildings in your own community as official shelters. So if you're planning to leave town, go inland. In other words, if you're on the East Coast, go west, young man. Plan to go as far inland as you possibly can. Remember, hurricanes get their strength from warm water temperatures over the tropical ocean. And they lose strength very quickly as they travel over land. Now, it might be a good move to make reservations at a hotel very early because there's going to be little room at the inn for latecomers. That's something that a lot of people don't think about. I think that is excellent advice. Again, it's like the preparations and buying your water and your food and topping off your gas he who waits doesn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that's not an official saying, but it sure makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. You snooze, you lose. There you go. Now, I want to say one thing. One. Pick a hotel that you know is sturdily built. Yes. Because, indeed, in uh, North Carolina, there was a hotel that lost its roof oh, no. in the storm. And this was just a Category 1 storm. Oh my and so goodness. people that they had to actually evacuate seventy people from it. Luckily, nobody was injured. Oh, but wow. these are people that prepared, hit the road, ended up in a hotel, and the hotel roof oh, was my goodness in a in a category one. That's you know, eh, I don't know about that hotel. Try to try to find a nice sturdy hotel. I mean, I would do one of the chain hotels like Hampton Inns or things like that. I have to say, if the, you could, and the further you can get away from the path. <laughs> North, Further in the better. North, right. south, right. as far away from where. And look at where it's going to start dissipating, too. Once these hurricanes hit landmass, they begin to break up a little bit. Right, exactly. Now, the problem with this particular hurricane that we're talking about, Florence, is that it's predicted to... Hang around. Sit there. Yeah. And basically dump water, dump water, and cause increased flooding. This is an area that's had excessive rain in the past month. I think I heard someone say they've had um, 18 to 30 inches. That's a lot. This past month. So wow. their ground is soaked. If this was drier ground, it would absorb. absorb it, but it's saturated. It's saturated right. already. So the water doesn't have a lot of areas to go except pile upward and move inward. And that's a bad situation when you're worried about flooding. So that's one of the big things that, that I would worry about. And the reason I would go as far away from the path of these hurricanes is to maybe not avoid so much the impact of the wind, because that, again, is going to break up as it hits the land, but the water. Stay away from rivers and low areas and just move as far away as possible. Right. Just head west in the Carolinas and you're <laughs> going to hit some mountains. Yes. All right. Well, here's a few tips that I have for people that are preparing for the worst but hoping for the best in hurricanes. Mm -hmm. Number one, make a get out of Dodge bag, a G-O-O-D, a good bag, or some people call it a go bag. And the important thing is that you have to make a good decision, a get out of Dodge decision first. You know, you may be a rugged individualist. You may want to ride out the storm. But honestly, a lot of coastal residents would be best served by getting out of town, hitting the road jack. And when, when the authorities say it's time to evacuate, be ready to go. 
Don't forget to turn off the power, gas, and water before you leave, but have the materials that you need. Always have a set of supplies that are ready to take with you on short notice, like non-perishable food, bottled water, extra clothing, flashlights and batteries, uh, maybe a NOAA weather radio would be a good idea, of course, your medicines, and, and a good first aid kit. I know where you can find one. Yes. At store.doomandbloom.net. <laughs> and these are right. just a few of the items that will help ensure your survival. Uh, you'll see a lot of people recommend having a 72-hour supply, but between you and I, that is a very arbitrary figure, honestly, between with, with power outages and things like that, a week's worth of supplies would probably be better. So this is something I think that is really important. Now, about I want to say something about shelters. If you're leaving, you're getting out of Dodge and heading to a shelter, make sure you ask the facilities what they have in store for pets. Do they have anything that's going to help you house and care for your pets? Good, I think that good uh, idea. Right. I think a lot of these facilities are actually required to. Some of them aren't. If so, there's an emergency declared. If there was an emergency declared. Which it was before this hurricane came along. is There was a state of emergency declared. Then they require hotels to help house animals. And this makes a lot of sense. It might not be the hotel's choice. But if you have a family that just is not going to leave, if they can't bring uh, Rover well right. with them, it, it's much safer to deal with the animal in a hotel and you know, clean up afterwards whatever messes may have occurred than have that family stay home and possibly have gotten hurt. Right, exactly. So, you know, I understand why they are forcing these hotels to have it. On a routine basis, the hotels have the choice, but they all have to become pet-friendly. And so if you call and make a reservation and you just sort of reaffirm that they are going to let you bring Rover and they say, no, I'm sorry, you can't, they are defying the law. In a they, lot of places, yes, you're is, right. This is the way it is, and they have to accept these animals. Now, other things that you need to do is you have to have a cell phone charger. You got Communication is key. You have to remember that uh, a lot of cell phone chargers can be plugged into the car where the cigarette lighter used to be. That's important. Have a solar charger Excellent. as well. That's important. Yes. And, and with regards to power, remember that if the power is down... Credit card verification could be down also. So if you don't keep some hand, some uh, small bills on hand, some cash on hand, you'll have a power shortage, and that's purchasing power. Yes. Good Absol- point. I love right. that. That's right. <laughs> purchasing power. All right. Well, let's say there has not been an evacuation order, or you are a silly person and you're going to ride out the storm in place despite an evacuation order. Here are some considerations that you're going to want to take into account. With regards to food, you got to keep it cold. So have the refrigerator and the freezer down to their coldest settings so that food will take longer to spoil if the power goes out. And what you want to collect ice. Uh, make ice in plastic bags and place them throughout to help prolong the freshness. If there are open spots between items of food, fill Tupperware containers or plastic soda bottles, milk jugs, something like that, 
Fill them with water, freeze them, and put them in the spaces. Remember, the fuller the fridge is, the longer the items in it will stay cool if you've got extra ice there. Just don't fill the containers all the way up because water expands when right. it freezes. Exactly and right. And you might pop the container. That's right. The Not very, quite full. Very smart, very smart. Go. There's a scientist right there <laughs> that's telling you what to do. Um, wrap it in foil. Uh, if you wrap food items in aluminum foil and eliminate air pockets, yeah, that will be helpful. You also cram the foil packs together as closely as possible. That'll keep things cool. Mm-hmm. Um, cook things that are meats, for example. You want to cook meats before the hurricane gets close, then, then freeze them. Remember, cooking requires fuel, so have some full propane tanks, charcoal briquettes, things like that in A your hibachi. supplies. A hibachi, right. Yeah. There well, you go. In your supplies for when the power goes out. You want to eat perishables first, and then the canned foods after that. And for pizza's sake, don't forget to buy a hand-operated can opener in case of a power failure. A lot of people have a can opener, one of those power ones, but you may need a hand-operated crank, can opener. Right? Crank it open. Right. If it, <laughs> if that's the Takes key. a little muscle, but it works. <laughs> and, you know, I see people who aren't sure what they want to eat. They open the refrigerator and just stand there with the refrigerator door open, wondering what food they're going to take out. Listen. Don't do that. Leave the refrigerator door closed as much as much as it possible. Uh, just visualize a particular item and then open the door. Quick hint: uh, take a piece of paper, make an inventory of what's in that freezer and what's in that refrigerator. Tape it to the front. So before you open that door, you already know what's in there. Cross it off as you eat it, so you know what's left. There you go. Um, Rem, uh, water. Water is very important. You have to have a stockpile of five-gallon bottles of water or a plentiful supply of smaller bottles. Fill the tub. Fill all your bathtubs with water. You might think this is overkill, but there's a lot of water that's used. Every member of your family needs at least a gallon of water a day and probably more. It goes fast. Uh, you can drink melted ice as the refrigerated ice in those Tupperware containers melts. Don't waste it. Use it as an additional source of drinking water. Uh, remember the hot water heater, heaters hold, well, water, and you can actually uh, raid them if you happen to get low. You would turn off the electricity or the gas. You would attach a hose to the drain valve, release the vacuum in the tank by opening a hot water faucet, and make sure you get out some of the sediment. There's oftentimes sediment at the bottom that needs to be drained out first. Disinfect water, 12 to 16 drops of uh, per gallon should do the job. That's something that's a, a very useful thing. Wait 30 minutes before drinking it. 16 drops of tincture of iodine will also work. And have a water filter. Hand-held filters like LifeStraw or Mini Sawyers or, or larger ones like the Berkey can be useful to deal with cloudy water. You carry, I think, the Mini Sawyer, and you also carry the LifeStraw in your store, right? I do, I do. The LifeStraw is, I think, a little more well-known it does 264 gallons. gallons of water. And the Mini Sawyer actually does 100,000 gallons wow. of water. <laughs> That's They're amazing. both lightweight. The Mini Sawyer has a bag that comes with it that you can attach to the filter, which is quite small. And you can also thread it onto most water bottles. Yes. So that you can drink directly from a you know, normal size water bottle without having to get something special. Yep. 
and uh, they're very handy, very lightweight, and they don't take up much space in a go bag That's that you right. were discussing, yes. or a good bag. Yes, well, <laughs> they are certainly things that people need to have, whether they're leaving town or whether they're staying, because floodwaters, remember, are not clean. They are indeed filled with debris and all oh sorts of stuff. You know, some chemicals. With chemicals, sure. Water treatment plants could be overflowed. <clears throat> you know, gosh, all sorts of stuff. Wait a second. When you're down in South Florida, what do we do to our roofs? We put fungicide on them. Right. And what happens? The water runs off of all the roofs that have all had the treatment of fungicides. Yep. Or, you know... Sometimes worse chemicals. <laughs> yeah, might not might not be too healthy. Things right, things so. in the land. People have just fertilized their yard, used all kinds of crazy chemicals. You just don't know what is in all of the water around you. Absolutely, and they have no hesitation with using those chemicals around here. That's for sure. No, they don't. Well, let's talk about the house a little bit. Of course, if you got shutters, put them up and put them up at least twenty four hours before hurricane landfall. I remember one year. That we actually wound up standing oh. in a ladder in in gale force winds, yes. pouring rain to install them. We, boy, I'll well, tell you, it been a, there, done that. It you know? took a turn that we didn't expect. It's right. just it wasn't heading directly for us, and it sort of turned. And, and then it was. It was a surprise. <laughs> yes, it was a little bit of a surprise. We we love to be prepared very early. Um, it was just surprise. surprise. It's going to hit you now. So yeah. Of course, a lot of people have patio furniture and uh, potted plants outside. If you do, you want to move those indoors. If you can't, for some reason, you need to chain them together against maybe an outer wall of the house downwind from what the direction of the storm is going to be. Right, almost like they're sheltered behind a wall, if you would think about it that way. So the wall would be the side of your house where the hurricane's coming from. Now, one thing you do have to remember is that after the eye passes your house if it does pass over your house the wind changes direction a little bit of direction right so it's not going to always be coming from the same direction so make sure you secure everything and i love your idea about chaining the furniture together and then attaching it to your house somehow right otherwise or a big giant tree although those tend to fall over a little bit too in the the winds. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, trees that have large canopies are the ones that have a tendency to yes. fall over. Which uh, is so sad because they're the older, beautiful trees. trees that's true. I mean, of course, so with us down here, we have palm trees. They seem to have a they're sort like of a rubber. flex. Right. They have a flexible <laughs> trunk. They don't have a big crown. So they tend to stay up, but other trees don't. So you might right. consider pruning trees near your home. <clears throat> that have big, thick canopies so that wind can easily flow through the crowns of them. Otherwise, you're going to lose some to the storm. Uh, branches, fruit. Uh, so down here, we have coconuts. And other, other debris <laughs> right. can act as missiles and high winds. got to cut them off if you possibly I would have to say yeah. there's probably not a lot of things worse than a coconut smacking you in the head. <laughs> <laughs> a coconut in your, on I, your coconut. I think if I had a choice between an orange and a coconut, I'd rather have the orange hit me than a coconut. <laughs> I'm, I'm with so you. So we have some pretty bad fruit that'll fly around here. Other things for the outside of your house, you should have tarps, large tarps. These are very important. They can be used to cover windows uh, on the inside but or on the outside. 
they will help after the storm to cover any areas of the roof that might have been damaged. You have to remember that they're not going to be roofers that are waiting at your beck and call. It took more than a year for all the tarps on the roofs to disappear down here in, in South Florida after Hurricane Wilma in 2005. You remember that? It took oh, forever absolutely. for all the roofers to get to all the ho- all the houses that needed I am, work done. You're absolutely right. I'm still seeing a blue tarp on a house near the grocery store. From last year? From Hurricane Irma. Irma. Mm-hmm. Still has the tarp on it. Now, I don't know what the issue is, but that's a long time. We're almost a year that is nuts, and that the it just goes to show that you have to have these things ready, and you have to make sure that you realize that roofers and other kinds of workmen that that repair houses may have a lot of work to do, and they may not get to you first. Uh, other important considerations are the kids, of course. Kids are freaked out a little bit by storms like this. You want to have board games, toys, books to keep kids minds off scary winds you know the howling winds if you're evacuating of course you should let the kids bring their favorite stuffed animals or favorite blanket pillow maybe to help them uh, stay calm uh, of course you have other kids too don't forget to take into account the needs of your pets you want to have bring their food their water uh, their favorite toy maybe uh, whether you leave or whether you stay home uh, then you have your other other kid that's your car make sure that your car is in good working order and always filled with gas, like Amy said just a mm-hmm. little while ago. Yep. Now, having some spare gas cans will be useful in case of a shortage at the pump. It also can be used to run generators, although never inside. Matter of fact, when I say never inside, not even oh. in a door, even an open in, in an open doorway. No, because there last year after Irma, four members of a family wound up getting overcome by fumes with the generator just outside the door. It was in the garage. Right. Oh, in the garage. I think it? this one was in the garage. Although, there were a couple of issues. And the door was open to the garage. Yes. I remember the exactly. door open. Exactly. That surprised. So me. it's still an enclosed space. You need to get that out. One thing about generators, you you need a cover over them. So if you have some sort of open tent, you know the walls are open. They're just a cover. If you have some, I don't know. They need a cover. They really need a cover. They're not supposed to get rain on them, and you're not supposed to have them in your garage. They're a little bit of a pain, and they're heavy, too, and you need gasoline for most of them to run. So not only are you going to have to get gasoline for your car, you're going to have to get extra gasoline for your generator. There you go. And, And keep that somewhere safe where those fumes aren't getting into your home either. Now, other things that need to be kept safe are your documents. If you have important papers like birth certificates, passports, insurance documents, uh, things like that, you want to put them in waterproof containers. You want to scan them. Also, send them in an email to yourself so that you'll have some record of these things If they, even if they wind up being washed away in a, a flood or storm surge from a hurricane. Uh, have that weather radio, that NOAA, N-O-A-A, weather radio, National Oceanographic and Aeronautic uh, uh, Administration yep. radio. Uh, it can be battery-powered. It can be hand-cranked. But the bottom line is that's an important source of information on the progress of the storm and for community updates, where you can get help, things like that. A CB radio is not a bad also idea. Also a good idea. Especially uh, in the southern areas. It's Maintain communication, Very yes. handy thing. You can talk to neighbors and actually have open communication 
longer range than just walkie-talkies. Right. And with regards to cell phones, remember that there are going to be a lot of people calling in the aftermath of a storm, but cell phone companies will only have the ability to handle about a total of 20% of the total possible volume of calls. If their towers have electricity. That's right. Uh, Those now, cell phone towers. It seems that, for some reason or another, texts seem to go through much better than voice calls. So make sure that even the old folks know how to text. Yes. So that's going to be very, very important. Make sure they have a cell phone and that they know how to text. So, so important. You know, being prepared for a hurricane can make sure that the storm is just going to be a bump in the road of life and not the end of the road for you and your family. you got to have that plan of action. You want to have some supplies, and then you will be prepared, and you'll be effectively keeping your family safe in times of trouble. All right, well, that's enough about storms for now, at least until the next big one. You know what? I, want, I do want to say something about all of this advice that you just gave. A lot of it can be translated into many other disasters. Oh, yeah. Getting out of town, having preparations, keeping gas in your car, Knowing how to keep food cold in case electricity goes out, that can be in any kind of storm whatsoever, a snowstorm even. It doesn't have to be that. So a lot of what you've said is just great common sense for just living a life of being prepared for whatever's coming around the corner. Words to live by. There That's what go. I call Yeah. Well, let's talk great, about... Great advice, Darlin. Thank you so much. Let's talk a little bit about... Uh, a, med- a medical issue. Uh, let's talk about something simple today. How about styes? A, a sty in your eye. eye. That's right. <laughs> a sty. Interestingly enough, a sty is also known as a hordolium. I don't know if you knew that. Or hordeolum, actually. You know what? That I, was I, I didn't from even pronounce so that. long ago. That's right. In and, the 80s. In, oh, yeah. For that, me, and the when you were 70s learned. for you. Right, yeah. And <laughs> it's in my textbook, but it's not something that anybody, anybody knows. Who so you it? out there now know more about styes just by knowing the word hordeolum than <laughs> probably 95% of doctors. Well, I mean, a sty, as everybody knows, is a bump on the eyelid. It's a pimple that can be either outside or inside the lid. It's caused by a blocked gland near an eyelash, and it's associated with redness, discomfort, and, of course, due to that, what's that on your eye, comments that you get can be very, very annoying and really make you self-conscious. Styes are caused by an accumulation of bacteria called Staph aureus, Staph, and uh, this is what happens when these glands get blocked. This is a bacteria that commonly inhabits human skin, uh, you may have heard of the resistant bacterial resistant version called staph um, called methicillin resistant staph aureus. You probably haven't heard of that, but you have heard of MRSA, M-R-S-A, and that is something that can cause some pretty serious infections. But regular staph aureus, common inhabitant of your skin, probably the cause of your sty. Luckily, styes don't affect vision unless they become very, very large. That's a rarity. Normally, they tend to sort of grow to a certain point. They pop and they drain, go away after a few days. Now, despite this, you have, because of the discomfort and the cosmetic appearance, you have a sense of urgency to deal with it. Yes. That And so we're going to talk about that. Uh, 
Other symptoms of a sty could be discharge and crusting mm-hmm. in an area. That's something um, that may be a problem. The discharge can be sort of whitish or could be sort of vaguely yellow. The crusting is oftentimes sort of yellowish looking. Um, a sty is confused sometimes with another condition called a collagen. And it's another word that you haven't heard or I haven't heard since uh, medical, medical school. school. <laughs> and that's caused by the blockage of eyelid gland ducts that are right in the middle of your eye. If it's right in the center of your eye and, and on the inside, these are gland ducts that excrete an oily substance that lubricates the eye. And uh, this oily material helps to prevent uh, the evaporation of tears and keeps your eye moist. Uh, styes develop quickly, but collagens form over a longer period of time. And they are painless, unlike styes, but they're just as disfiguring. And uh, luckily, they do usually resolve on their own, although it can take months. Sometimes people have to have them removed. Now, the simplest way to deal with a sty is simply to apply moist, warm compresses to the area for about 10 minutes, maybe twice or three times a day, and that helps the sty drain faster and go away. I actually today read a natural remedy for putting heat on a sty. Oh, cool. Make a hard-boiled egg. Uh Uh-huh. Now, the heat from the shell, because the egg is warm inside, uh-huh. is a perfect size that you can just touch the sty without touching much of the other skin around it. Now, let it cool off a little bit, folks. Don't take it directly out of the boiling water You're and right. apply You're it to it your sty. <laughs> I am not advocating that type of heat. So, boil the egg let and it let cool it off cool some. off yeah. a little bit. And I tell you what, touch it to your hand before you try it on your eye, okay? Try it on the skin, like by your thumb, your thumb, your palm area, or your wrist area. Check that first, and if it feels nice and warm but doesn't burn you, then you can put it on the sty. But it will hold the heat, and again, since it's curved, the smaller side of the egg, you can just touch the sty without all right, touching so you're not the actually putting it no you're not on your sticking egg, the entire egg the, on your eye right because your eye is sort of egg shaped a little bit if you no, think about it you're trying to use the, the just the tip smaller end of the egg uh-huh. you know one has a, right. a larger smaller end of the egg and you're just holding that now you may have to use um, a tissue or a napkin or a paper towel to hold the egg because you are holding it with your fingertips, which are extremely sensitive. Yes. But again, make sure that you're not touching something that's going to burn the skin around the sty. You're trying to just touch the sty, not too hot. Okay. But that will help with the compress. They also suggest cleaning gently with a cotton swab or a cotton ball in warm water. That's something else. There, Of course, there are antibiotic eye solutions and ointments, all sorts of drops that are available that may help speed recovery. That's something uh, that's a good idea. For sure. Now, you can also use warm compresses, too, which that's we didn't right. we didn't really get to. But I think you did mention it. But, again, I'm not, talk about some, not uh, some of too hot. That is, it's always the important part. You don't want to burn the skin. Right, just warm. Eye skin is very sensitive. Now, I'll say this, that if you get a lot of styes, it's time to evaluate how you wash your hands. Most people don't wash their hands as often as they should. 
and this can cause infections like styes or even pink eye, uh, a condition also called conjunctivitis. That's especially an issue with people who wear contacts. So a good method of prevention is to perform an eyelid scrub regularly with a warm, moist cotton ball and maybe a tiny bit of baby shampoo. So that's something. Now, many people will try to squeeze the sty like any other pimple. That's a bad idea. It can traumatize the area and can cause worse problems like infection of surrounding tissues. That soft tissue infection is called cellulitis, and that can spread to the rest of the face. And once you're having that, well, you could get very serious. You need to take oral antibiotics. In that case, in the uh, they use medicines in the penicillin, erythromycin, or cephalosporin family, and you'll find all sorts of articles on cellulitis and wound infections uh, in our website at uh, doomandbloom.net. Now, I know you're going to talk about some natural remedies. Yes. But if you have tobramycin drops, those are not a bad idea. Yes, that's a good thing. To help heal the infection and also prevent pink eye yes from it spreading to your entire eye or possibly the other eye that's a good idea now warm saline solution washes uh, several times a day that's very good excellent uh, other uh, now with regards to natural remedies coriander tamarind seed washes you soak the seeds in warm water you strain them use that water as a wash for your eye mm-hmm. seeds are said to have properties that reduce swelling uh, warm guava leaf compresses that's been thought to help styes we actually have guava trees down here so we actually can, can get that uh, you apply that for about 10 minutes of course a warm tea bag anybody can get use that the tannic acid in the tea bags may be helpful and that's something that is uh, a nice natural remedy that works for just about everybody now when all else fails if moist warm compresses don't work to help the side drain after let's say three days or so it may be appropriate uh, in normal times to see your doctor and they may remove an eyelash that's that's maybe stuck in the skin or stuck in the uh, sty itself that that helps uh, improve the drainage from there maybe they even use a, a needle to allow the sty to drain don't do that a sterile needle home, they're going to use something yes. sterile <laughs> yes don't do that do at not home, just boys and girls. take your random tweezers that you've plucked hairs from god knows where that's right <laughs> and start pulling and poking into a sty please don't do that you're just going to make the infection worse that's right all right well i'm going to talk about coughs for a little while because i'm sure anyone who's listened to this show more than once has heard me clear my throat or make a little cough sometimes a big cough i have issues with allergies and asthma and this audio room that we're in that's nice and padded uh, apparently holds tons of dust no matter what i do so i have coughs i would like to talk about coughs with you guys uh did get some great information uh, off the internet. There's some really wonderful websites that talk about natural remedies. We do talk about that too. Uh, but you don't have to get all your information from one source. So I open up my mind and I look around. And I also have a lot of herbal books that I love. So I sort of cross-reference and make sure what I'm reading and in the books and what I'm seeing on the internet sort of all jive together. I have some pretty scientific uh, herbal books that I, again, cross-reference. So I just want to make sure that what I'm trying to say and what I'm mentioning um, is probably something that could work for you. 
may work for you. So coughs, what is a cough? It's a natural response to irritation or blocked airway. Like I said, if you have allergies, the blocked airway could be from some pollen. It could be from some pollen that irritated the area and caused mucus, and now you've got a plug there. And what does your body want to do naturally? It wants to clear it out <clears throat> like that. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of different home remedies. I'm going to go through just a few of them because we don't have a lot of time. There's a, first a couple different coughs. There's a dry cough, which is an irritation of the airway lining. Uh, usually respiratory allergens cause this kind of coughing. You can suppress the dry cough if it's a wet cough. And you know you're sick, you want to loosen up that phlegm so you get it out. If you're not sick, you still want to do the same thing. So the idea is if you're actually bringing something up is to help thin that out so it comes up better so you get rid of it. And once you get rid of it, you're probably going to stop coughing. So one of the, I think, oldest and probably best tested um, remedies for coughs is a salt water gargle. It has been checked. It's been used. Even dental surgeons recommend using a, a salt solution to help prevent infections and promote faster healing after surgeries. So it works for a lot of different things. Uh, take a half teaspoon of salt in a cup of warm water and the idea is to have a lot of contact. So when you're gargling with this, Lean your head back. Don't do an aggressive gargle. You want to kind of do a soft gargle for as long as you can. And then spit that water out. Don't swallow it. You don't want to be drinking salt water. That's not good for you. But salt actually is an anti-inflammatory. And it helps to kind of calm what's going on back there. The inflammation and the irritation. And it will also help thin secretions. Again, to help cough it out. Steam inhalation. Is not a bad idea if you want to take a bowl of hot, not boiling water, put a couple of drops maybe of eucalyptus in it, and put a towel over your head, do some deep breathing. I think one of my favorite things is raw honey, lemon juice, it doesn't have to be fresh, but that would be great, and a tea. Now, the teas can be made from several different herbs. Uh, ginger's a good one. Lavender is another good one. There's also licorice. Licorice has been known to calm coughs and also thin secretions. And sage tea has been known. There's also another one called marshmallow tea. And no, it's not actually marshmallows. Make sure that your environment is humid. And the humidity is quite low because that's what the air conditioner does is it pulls out a lot of the humidity. So we wake up in the morning and because it's been air conditioned and dry, our coughs are much, much worse in the morning. So if you can humidify the area where you sleep, also increase hydration. That means lots of water and other fluids. It has been wonderful to talk to you guys. Have a beautiful week. We will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. 
contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week.